seconds. Winnell all the way outside to Walker. Three on the way. Oh! And Wyatt! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. And heard about him, and now we know about him. A star on the NCAA tournament stage, Stephen Curry. What's up, everybody? My name is Will, and I'm the host of Blue Buds Hoops, a brand new college basketball podcast. Our guest on this episode is Chris Dow who played for the University of Bellarmine in Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be hosting this episode solo, which means, unfortunately, we don't get to hear from the always entertaining Coach Brown. It's still an awesome episode, though, as Chris shares some great stories about his journey through basketball and how that's taken him across the globe. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. All right, so hello, everybody. We are joined by Chris Dow, uh, former University of, of Bellarmine uh, Knight. Did I get that right, Chris? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Uh, former former Bellarmine University Knight. Um, he's been all over the world, from what I've seen, playing basketball, and we're very happy to be with him today. So, Chris, thanks thanks again for being on the show. How's it been going? Appreciate y'all having me. It's been good. Just enjoying the summer, the small summer that I do have. Just been enjoying it. I hear that, man. It's a hot one right now, too. It's been uh, it's been <laughs> the heat. The heat is extreme for sure. Yeah, so. yeah that might be an understatement too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So where are you at right now? I'm in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, so I'm right across the river. I'm in uh, Sellersburg, Jeffersonville area. Right, so. right, right, right. So we got a lot of things lined up, a lot of things I want to ask you to get into and stuff about your career. But first, one thing I want to ask, this is something that we do at the beginning of every episode. It's just your opinion on the GOAT debate. So I, pro- I know you probably have an opinion. Everybody seems to have one. Right. Let me let me give you a quick little backstory though, because the conversation I think has actually changed since I asked somebody this question last time. So before on our on our first few episodes, we were asking people, you know, who's the goat, Jordan or LeBron? In my mind, those are the two that you know I would say are the are the two to debate. But you have people who love Kobe Bryant. You have people who love Steph Curry. Now he's won his fourth ring. I would say he definitely has earned a place in the conversation. Maybe he's not the goat in people's minds, but I would say you can at least mention him in the conversation. Now, he does have four rings. That's the same as LeBron. He won his first finals MVP, had a great performance this year. He's changed the game. And I'm not trying to sell you on Steph Curry. I'm just saying that's why I think. Yeah, so in your opinion, instead of asking you MJ or LeBron, I'll just ask you straight up, who do you think is the goat? Jordan. Jordan? Yeah. So it would be the same regardless. Still Jordan. It, it would be the same regardless, but I get the, you know, because a lot of the kids that are growing up in this generation, they might say Steph. They haven't seen, you know, they didn't get to see, like, the prime. I mean, LeBron's still in his prime, I guess. Or maybe just now, you know, getting past this. We don't know. But, like, some kids, you know, they might – Steph Curry might be the best player they've seen, you know, in this generation. So. I think depending on growing up who you've seen and Steph Curry right now is the guy that they've seen. And like you said, he changed the game. And I think him getting this finals, this first finals MVP was very important for his legacy, even though like he would have been okay without it, but I just think it kind of cements him, you know, for sure. Um, I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if people start throwing Steph in that conversation, whether I believe he's the GOAT or not. But I can kind of see why people would do that. They do the same with Kobe. They did it with Brian. You know, everyone has their opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question. But across the board, we've had Michael Jordan four times now. We had one LeBron, but everybody else has been Jordan still. So, obviously, Steph has done a lot, but I guess he's got to do more to surpass Jordan still, just like LeBron does in people's minds. One day I'm going to reveal who I think the GOAT is, but I'm just asking everybody right now. So appreciate your opinion and input on that one. Like I said, Jordan, at least to uh, the guest on this podcast, he's the GOAT. So, But, I mean, you can't go wrong with it, man. He, He might be. Like I said, I'll talk about it someday in the future maybe, but that'll take up too much time. So, But thank you for your input, man. I appreciate it. So with that being said, let's get to you now. This is the whole reason why we're here. Let's talk about, you know, who Chris Dow is and kind of where you came from. So I know you're from Louisville. You're there right now currently. But but what kind of got you started in hoops um, just in general? And how did you kind of get into it? I started I started around age five or six, somewhere, somewhere between there. Uh, I come from an athletic family, so everyone in my family was involved in some sort of some sort of uh, sports, basketball, football, just random stuff. Um, my parents were big, always been big sports fans. Uh, my dad used to play basketball back in the day. My mom was always, like I said, around the game. So uh, I got started pretty early just being around my cousins and uncles and everyone. Like we had a hoop in the backyard. We used to have a bunch of cookouts. So just wandering around with them, I kind of <clears throat> just organically got uh, – got involved and were super interested. I I didn't get pushed to do it or they were like, now you're going to play basketball, football. I just was around it that it just naturally, you know, I just started playing. Yeah, I feel like that's the best way, just like you said, organically. You just yeah. love the game. Just something you grew up doing, could relate to, family especially. I mean, that's, that's, that's the people I think that you see the most success in and the most, they're the most dedicated. They just, they just love it, man. They, they eat, sleep and breathe it. That's sure. that's their life. So that's cool. That's really cool. And you went to Eastern High School? I think I read. Is that right? Yeah, I went to Eastern High School. I graduated in 09, which feels like a long time ago now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I didn't play much. That was kind of a late bloomer. I think going into freshman year, uh, I was like 5'7 or 5'8. And when I ended up leaving, I was, I was like 6'2 or 6'3. Um, had a great had a great senior year, uh, let, helped lead my team to state. I think we lost in the Elite Eight, got upset in the Elite Eight. Um, that led me to Bellarmine. Uh, had a great career at Bellarmine. Um, sophomore year, we won the national championship. Junior year, we lost in the Final Four. Had two starters injured. I think we could have repeat uh, senior year. I want to say I lost in the Sweet 16, but had a, a pretty – Pretty successful career thus far, and then now I just finished my ninth year playing professional, so it's, it's been a blessing, and it goes by fast. Yeah, you know, speaking, I'm going to jump back to Eastern. Well, actually, I'll, I'll go there first. Is that where Rondo went, or no, for one year or something? Rondo, Rajon went there for, I want to say, three years, and then he transferred to Oak Hill for his uh, senior year. That's right. Okay, but I, I remember hearing the, uh, the fact that he went there for like a, a year or whatever. And I yeah. think I saw a video of him dunking on, like jumping over somebody and dunking. That was sitting on the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Sat there afterwards. Um, no, that's really cool. I I just was curious, but then he then he obviously went to Oak Hill and 
became yeah. actually one of my mentors. So, uh, oh, really? yeah, 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 yeah. Good guy. Cool. cool. Well, he definitely knows the game. So I can see, I mean, he's got just a extreme, just a never ending amount unreal. of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe we, maybe we can have him on here one day, pick his brain. That'd be cool. But anyway, your time at Bellarmine. So you won a national title in 2011. That was something I wanted to ask, um, kind of your opinion on what what was that like i mean people will say man it was it was division two at that point they're division one now bellerman is but to me dude it's division two national title you're the best in the country for the division you're playing at it doesn't matter that's something that is outstanding and you know awesome to be a part of so what was that like in your mind uh i didn't really like i didn't really uh get caught up in, you know, people saying division one, division two, that, that's one of the reasons I went to division two, because I felt like uh, the team that I had and that, uh, you know, I was playing with was better than a lot of the division ones. I'm not talking about like the high majors, but, you know, a lot of the, even the mid majors, mid majors, low, low level division one schools, I thought I had a better chance of winning at Bellarmine than those schools. So I wasn't, I was trying not to get caught up in the fact that just going somewhere just to say I went division one, you know, I wanted to kind of be my own person and do it my own way. So I thought that was the best choice. And uh, I, I ended up, you know, <laughs> I feel like anyway, making a, making a great decision, but the journey was, the journey was great. Uh, I think we appreciate, I appreciated the journey more than the actual championship. Um, had a team full of selfless guys, a coach who, you know, we everyone bought into a system who knows his basketball. And we just had a, a good group of good group of guys who at the end of the day just wanted to win. So uh, I think he kind of modeled his offense from he used to have us watch a bunch of San Antonio Spurs clips. So this is around the time, you know, Tony Parker, Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Boris Dial, like, you know, they just had a bunch of bunch of guys like not necessarily superstars but just a bunch of guys who played the right way and bought in and would always make the extra pass and just do little things so uh i think that really helped helped our team yeah it's truly about knowing knowing your role not everybody's got to go out and score 20 points or you know be the be the shooter on the team you got to have somebody who does the does the dirty work kind of in a way you know or like boris Dial. When you said that, I was like, oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. He's got to, you know, they have to be able to do their role, do it better than anybody and, you know, just own that role because yes. you have to have those kind of people on, to, on a successful team. They're, they're so important. I don't think people understand that really. It's it's something that's vital to a successful team to have people that they don't care about, you know, the stats. They don't care about getting all the, the praise and the glory and everything like that. They just want to win and they want to help their team do it. So. I like I like that you uh yeah that's a great way to put it. I like that you said that. Um and that was so Scott Davenport was your coach, right? Yeah, that was my coach. Yeah, so he modeled after the the Spurs kind of I don't I don't know if he modeled his offense after it. I just know he would always like compare us to that to that team and we would actually like watch clips of their offense like it wasn't even like a, uh, a highlight where they're showing dunks and stuff. He was literally showing us videos of their offense and like how these guys showing their possessions where everyone touches the ball and 
Like, someone could have shot it, they make the extra pass. He actually could have shot it. He makes the extra pass. Like, just plays like that. We would watch those videos, like, all the time. And we would get those comparisons all the time. Like, man, y'all play like the Spurs or whatever. So, I don't think he necessarily modeled modeled his uh, offense after it, but that's just kind of a way and a mentality he wanted to kind of instill in, in the team, like, you got a good shot, well, let's get a great shot, you know, like that that kind of thing. So that kind of was like our DNA. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. That's, I mean, just, just taking different principles that you see. That's cool. So around here, at least, I mean, I, I, I know who he is. I, I've been, I grew up around here in this area, and I know Bellerman, and he's a he's a definitely a, a huge name around here for coaching and basketball in general. And I would go out on a limb and say in college basketball, especially now with them making the jump to Division One, he, his name is just you know, um, increasing more people know who he is. I, I think he's a terrific coach, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so having played for him for four years, what, how kind of how do you feel about your experience playing through him and or playing under him and kind of learning from him as you played in college? He coach he uh, coached under two legends, so at the very least, going into you know playing for Bellman, I knew that he you know he served under. Denny Crown for a little, and then, of course, Coach Patino. So two great coaches, uh, Hall of Famers, I'm sure. Um, So at the very least, I knew what to expect as far as, like, basketball knowledge and, uh, you know, things like that. I knew I would be learning under someone who's done it at a high level and done it under two great coaches. So, man, basketball-wise, like, he he knows his – he knows what he's talking about. He knows his stuff. And, you know, for us, all I think all we had to do, because we had the talent and personnel, I think for us, all we had to do was buy into what he was saying and buy into his system. And I think that's why one of the reasons we were uh, so successful. And to see them be able to, you know, take that uh, to the Division One level is exciting because it was always a rumor when when we were there that, they were trying to go Division One, like so. Even I think after the national championship, it's kind of when that got got started. Like, oh man, they're good. They you know, rank number one or number two in Division Two every year. Uh, I think they could go Division One. So to see them make that jump and still be successful is uh, really really good to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely at that time, and I, and I would think just in general over the last however many two three decades maybe really i could speak to the last decade because that's how i've like f- kind of followed bellerman but before they were division one they were a i mean fantastic division two team you guys always had a great program probably one of the premier division two programs in the country and i would always like talk to people about just about discussing basketball in general and stuff and i would always say man bellerman they they would probably beat a lot of Division One teams, especially your uh, like your low major Division One teams. But even some even some sure. big, yeah, even some big schools that are, you know, I mean anybody can beat anybody on a given night. So I would always say that, and it's cool to see that now they've jumped from D two to Division One, and they're having success. People are like, what the heck? This was a Division Two team, and now they like they just won the conference tournament. I think this past year. And people are surprised. I'm like, dude, this is a fantastic program. That's just what happens when you do it the right way. So I wish they could have made it to the tournament, though, because to the NCAA tournament, because it's like they're obviously 
if not the best, one of the best in their conference. I mean, yeah, two, two years in a row, I believe. So that's yeah. that's uh, that's been like a conversation. I haven't talked to anyone, but you know, I kind of follow people who still like constantly, you know, talk about the school and everything. So I know that's something they were kind of kind of upset about. Like, man, we made this jump to Division One, and I don't know if we knew we would be this good in our conference so early and in some in these two you know these two years where we probably could have made some noise in the tournament we aren't able to because you know we're on probation <laughs> so yeah, right. everyone, everyone's kind of yeah everyone's kind of upset because I think it's I'm not 100% sure but I think it's four years that they can't uh make the tournament or whatever because yeah. of the jump so uh they've been you know kind of upset about that that's crazy. It's almost like, man, I thought we'd be good, but I didn't know we'd be this good. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be rolling like this. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it what it's like, yeah. I, I imagine. Well, no doubt. I mean, they just have – Bellarmine's a great program, so I know that they'll continue to to have success as they move on. But but anyway, let's get back to you, man. So after Bellarmine, you, you've played overseas, like I kind of said at the beginning, at a variety of different countries. So where did you go first after you left? after you graduated from Bellarmine? I went to Germany. I was in the third league in Germany, but I ended up getting cut in the preseason. So it's my very first job. So that was kind of weird because I, I still to this day don't really know why I got cut. Like I was playing, I was playing really good basketball and our team was winning. So after one of our losses, literally like after the loss, everyone went into the locker room the coach and I think it was like the manager or something, they were in a separate locker room. They called me into that locker room and was sitting down with me. But this was before the coach got in, so it was just me and the manager at this point. And he was talking to me, and I could tell something was kind of like weird because it's like, why am I in here? And why are you asking me about random stuff, like trying to kind of trying to butter me up? And coach came in and told me, like, uh, he was just like, yeah, uh, we're going to look for someone else or something like that. So this is like directly after the game. And during during that preseason, we were like eight and two. And that was one of the losses right there. So I just thought that was kind of that was that was weird. That was my very first job. So it was it was kind of a weird, weird situation and a weird place for me. But at the end of the day, I think that was the best thing to happen to me in my career. So. The end of my uh, came back home and like five days later I had a, another job in Portugal. So I finished my rookie season in Portugal. I had a great year. Led my team to the final four. Uh, was like second in the league in scoring and first in steals and second in a, something like that. Uh, so I had, I had a great year. Yeah, that's crazy. I cannot believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> right after the game, but well, it worked out though. You went to Portugal after that. And then I, I also want to say I was scrolling through your Instagram feed before, and you've won like a lot of a lot of different um, I don't know what you'd call it like different titles through those leagues. Yeah. Like it's like man, you just bounce, you just go from like every team you're on, you you win, you win a title. It seems like so. How how has that kind of I mean I'm sure it's felt good. Not trying to ask a stupid question, but like what's that yeah. been like having that success over there? Uh, well, at the end of the day, it lets me know that I, there's something that I bring with me, uh, that was instilled in me to where like, I'm just a super competitor. So I will, 
do what I can to help the team win. Like we were talking about with Bellerman, like uh, that was instilled in me probably before then, but it's just something I've had where I'm just like a super competitor and hate to lose. So I do whatever the team needs me to do to win. But I was, I was also, you know, on some pretty good teams. So professionally, I've won one actual championship and these other uh, like titles and stuff you see are like, they have, it's, it's kind of strange, but uh, I don't know if you've heard about the NBA trying to do like tournaments within the season. No, I haven't actually. Okay, so uh, they, they've been talking about trying to do like tournaments within the season of the NBA to kind of keep the guys like locked in. So, you know, there's no drop off and, you know, tanking and things like that. So that's something that they actually have overseas. They have a tournament within the season. So I've been fortunate enough to win some of those. But I've actually won one actual championship and I lost in one. Uh, I would have won one this year, but you know, I was in Ukraine and then the war and stuff happened. So I had to switch teams, but uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've won some, won some what they call cups. I've won a few cups and then uh, like I said, one championship. Okay, that's a cool concept. Yeah, I, I was aware, I was kind of aware of that, like on, on overseas teams and whatnot, but I didn't know that the NBA was trying to do that at least. So that, that would be cool, I guess, the bring out competitiveness and the extra fire i guess yeah the season so it's a long season so i could see that but so you were i was gonna get to that you were in ukraine uh recently i mean what was that like because we for you at least because what we actually talked to another player on our first podcast he played at indiana and he was in ukraine this year too and he was oh, creek. yeah maurice creek yeah he was having a hard time getting out and he told this crazy story about how that actually went down and stuff but what was that like like in your eyes from your perspective well so the year before i played in israel and i dealt with war like a year ago you know what i'm saying so when ukraine this year uh when you started hearing the rumors and putin was you know making all these threats like i don't know if um mo or maurice told you this but I felt like the Ukrainians honestly weren't taking it serious because it's like they were like, oh, we've been living here our whole lives, blah, blah, blah. Like, Yeah, he did speak. He just, yeah, yeah. So he's like, uh, he's, he does this every year. Like, it's nothing. You'll see nothing's happened yet. Nothing's ever going to happen. Whatever, whatever. We're not, you know, and me and, and me and Mo's case, like, we're not from here. So we hear war and we hear threats and everything. Like, that's not a comfortable situation for us. That's not normal for us. So uh, you can you can see, I think you can see a point to where the Ukrainians knew that this time it was serious. Like you can see there's like a, like a flip switch, like, okay, yeah, maybe we should st start taking this serious. So it got to the point, because I know uh, even Joe Biden has said something like, or the USM or whatever, US Embassy or Joe Biden, they was like, well, if you don't get out now, when things start happening, we won't be able to help you. And I was fortunate enough to play on uh, a team to where our president, he set us down and had a team meeting and he actually moved the team to the Czech Republic. So we packed all our stuff, got up and actually moved locations. So this was like two weeks before everything happened. So when everything happened, if you were still in Ukraine, 
there was no way to get out because you know the board they had the border surrounded uh you couldn't like you couldn't leave the country so you were kind of just stuck until something opened up and i'm sure he could have he probably alluded to his experience which was much different than mine because i was able to get out i was fortunate enough to get out and I, whereas he was actually stuck couldn't do anything and then they also had like a hierarchy of people that they would let leave first if something opened up which was also like kind of weird that is crazy that that is so insane i could i mean i don't know people take it for granted i think living in america like that's just insane you know that that goes on but i'm sure that was scary too at the time just dealing with all that because it's obviously a ton of uncertainty to say the least um but, but just in general nobody goes through stuff like that not it's not an everyday thing so how can you be like you can't make yourself ready for that you know you know what i mean yeah no it's not it's something you just like go through it's not something you can yeah. prepare for that like there's no way to prepare for war you know like, when you end it you end it <laughs> exactly yes that's crazy i'm not trying to laugh at it i'm just that i just no, believe. Like, I, I get it completely yes it's, it's weird because it's like now there's this ongoing joke with me, like I said, because, so the, my last three years have been COVID. I dealt with war in Israel and I actually got stuck. <laughs> and then war again in Ukraine. So it's like, well, I'm scared to go somewhere next year because wherever I go, it's like something follows me. <laughs> <laughs> something's going on. Yeah, like this, something's gonna happen, yeah. Yeah, this year, this year will be good. This year's gonna be good, it's gonna be smooth. <laughs> Nothing bad is going to happen. We're just going to start saying it. Wow. So what was the Israel? What what was that deal? The war. Um, it was between the Palestinians and the Israelis. So I think, I, I guess it was a similar dynamic in the fact that it, uh, most of it is over like territory, mm -hmm. uh, like invaded territory or something along those lines. So it, man, just got to a point where, they started shooting missiles and Israel is like really small. So there's like one major, like Israel is basically like a state. Mm -hmm. So there's like one major airport and most of the, uh, <clears throat> a lot of the, the missiles and, you know, everything that they were aiming at was around, you know, the airport and uh, a lot of the border and city. So, once the first couple missiles started going off, like they just shut everything down. Wow. Sirens everywhere, no one could fly in or out. And, you know, some of the Americans were actually fortunate enough to get out. So when the rest of us tried to get out, like my flight got canceled three times. Like I booked a oh, flight wow. every day. So I think I started on like a, a Sunday or something. I was like, man, I got to get out of here. Booked a flight on Sunday. The day of, it gets canceled. Like, all right, cool. I'm going to book a flight, uh, book another flight. The next day it gets canceled. Booked another flight and it got canceled. So I was literally stuck and they, were, they weren't trying to cancel uh, any basketball activities. Like the league was like, yeah, we lost so much money from COVID or whatever. We're going to keep this going. Like, they didn't say that, but you could yeah, tell. Right. That's, yeah. It's like, so they, we were still going to practice. We seeing, you know, you look outside or turn on TV or you get on Instagram, whatever, like you see missiles flying, like it looks like 4th of July. 
right in Israel, just flying over, flying over, flying over. While going to practice. Yeah, and you go into practice, you even hear sirens and people go to bomb shelters and like regularly, like people trying to sleep at night. Nope, sirens going off. So people got to go to bomb shelters and things like that. And that's like tough to focus on basketball and you know all of this stuff is going on and you literally can't leave like I said our flights was getting canceled left and right so things at one point finally cooled down and we were able to finish the season but it's like at that point your mind's not even in it because you nothing yeah. you to do is go home so yeah that's what I dealt with uh last year and then you know of course Ukraine this year hey we'll talk about you know playing in a pressure situation like big crowds and big moments and, you know, loud, a loud atmosphere and whatnot, but talk about playing through missiles and a war while you're practicing. It's not even a game. Well, I guess it was games too, but I mean, that is something I can't even fathom. That's, that's insane. But glad, glad you definitely got away from all that. And I know it, I know it was hard probably this year too. So, um, like I said, this year though, we're gonna wish we're gonna wish for the best and just expect expect that that's not gonna happen again. <laughs> that's insane. That wow, I'm blown away by that. That's crazy. Uh, kind of going off of that point, you've been all over the world. Honestly, one thing I wanted to ask you is it might seem like a silly question, but being in different countries, have you picked up any other languages and stuff? Can you speak other languages at all? Yeah, so I've played in seven countries in nine years, uh, and this year probably will probably make eight. Uh, we'll see. I don't know yet, but we'll see. But I played, I was fortunate enough to play in France three times, and then I played in Belgium one year, and the main language in Belgium is French, so, or one of the main languages. So during that uh, kind of few, those few years, I picked up some French to whereas I could actually hold a conversation. Like it's very minimal. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know how to put, uh, I didn't know how to, you know, the correct grammar or anything, but I knew words. So I would just throw words together <laughs> and people would know, know what I was talking about. So, and they would, you know, converse back and forth with me and they actually knew what I was saying or trying to say. So I think they appreciated that. And it was uh, like my parents and cousin would come out and they would see me talking to these people in, in French and it's just like mind blowing because it's like, wow you ever think you would be speaking French or another, you know, another language or whatever. So uh, I actually did pick up some, I'm probably rusty and don't remember a lot of the stuff now because it's, you know, so many years removed, but yeah, I picked up French. That's cool. Um, I think, I think it would be cool if more people in like growing up in America were kind of taught to speak another language because I have, I have a couple of different, I have a couple of friends that are from Africa and they grew up in different countries and they speak like, so one of my friends speaks like six languages. I'm like, how can you speak fluently six languages? People have a hard time, a hard enough time speaking one. And you can really, really, and we're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Though I was just curious, kind of. Uh, I always wanted to ask people that play overseas and get the get the chance and the opportunity to visit a lot of different countries and actually live there, kind of experience the culture. Do you pick up on that pretty well, or and I'm sure it's better with time. The more the longer there you're there, the better. Yep, but. yep. Usually, like the longer you're there, you'll naturally pick up stuff. But for the most part, the people that we deal with, 
they're going to speak English, you know. So because it's not just, it's not just Americans that also come over. It might be people from, you know, we could be playing in Spain or something, and it could be people from, I don't know, just some random countries, Italy, yeah, Germany, whatever. So yeah. English is like the, you know, general language for everyone to kind of meet in the middle. Okay. So everyone that we deal with, for the most part, speaks English. So it, to just to keep it as simple as possible for everyone. So you're not like kind of forcing people to, because most people know some sort of English. They'll say they don't, but they they but they're aware for the most part of a few yeah. you know a few words. They maybe can't you know hold conversation or put together four sentences or you know, but they know for the they most part. Them. They can get yeah. their point across. Exactly. And then, you yeah. know, thing we learned to do, or I learned to do, was kind of talk with my hands. When I was, uh, when I'm over there, I learned to talk with my hands because people might not, you know, maybe the accent or they might not get what you're trying to say or it might take a minute to click. So you kind of use your hands to, it's like, I don't know, you to show what you're talking about and they yeah, might, yeah. might pick it up. Yeah, they mm-hmm. might pick it up. So it's, it's just some random stuff you learn and you kind of pick up and little things uh, that you use to kind of help elaborate what you're trying to say and help yeah. them uh, pick it up. I've dealt with my first year when I was in uh, Portugal after the Germany situation, uh, my coach didn't really speak English that well. And then like a couple of the people in management didn't really speak English. So my coach would be talking in the huddle. He's speaking English, but he's kind of stuttering. So it got to the point where me and my one of my uh, American teammates, we just start finishing the sentences for him. Because we could see where he was trying to get to or yeah. have an idea of what he was trying to get to, but he couldn't get it out. So he would be talking, 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 and kind of stuttering a little. And yeah. we would, oh, so you want us to do, you know, this, 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 this. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> Got it. So that was that was kind of you know looking back on it was kind of funny, but yeah, that's cool. That's a, it's crazy where what kind of experiences the game like basketball could take you. All this stuff. I feel like we haven't even talked to basketball really. Like your your story your story is super interesting. Just where you've been, where you've gotten to go, things you've gotten to do and see. I mean, good and bad, obviously, but you definitely have experiences to learn from and grow from. I'm sure, and you have a lot of stuff that you've been able to do because of the game. So. But kind of going back to basketball, what do you, what is your next step from here? And uh, do you have any like goals for yourself as a player uh, in the near future? Playing overseas, it wasn't something that even crossed my mind until maybe senior year, to where it became you know like more realistic. So I said ten years for me would be a milestone, and I'm coming up on that this year. So. At the beginning of, you know, this upcoming season, I'll be year 10, which is like a huge milestone for me. So uh, as long as my body holds up, man, I would, you know, in the perfect world, I would want to play as long as I can. But the toughest part is being away for nine, 10 months at a time. <clears throat> you get to come home maybe like a week, depending on your coach, if they let you get a break. Uh, so just being away for, you know, nine, 10 months out of the season is, is tough. So. I really just, you know, as long as I'm playing good, I still think I'm getting better. I just came off another really good year, <clears throat> uh, won a lot of games. So I think 
as long as I'm still playing at a high level and still winning and my body holds up, uh, I would like to keep playing. But um, until then, I'm kind of just enjoying it, trying not to take it for granted because it's, it's a blessing to be able to, like some of these experiences I've been able to share with you. And it's not even nowhere near, you know, I have so many more stories. But, uh, yeah. Just, you know, experiencing other countries, culture, seeing the world and playing basketball and getting paid for it, it's like, a blessing so I, I try not to take it for granted and i want to play as long as you know everything lines up and i'm healthy well that's awesome man that's that's such a refreshing take to hear just trying to live in the moment appreciate what you have right now because you're right you never i mean you, you don't know how long you're gonna have it and you gotta kind of cherish your opportunities while you got them so um kind of going off of that man uh, here at the podcast we'll definitely be following you during your next season um but it's, it's been great talking to you we're about to run out of time so i'm gonna go ahead and kind of wrap everything up but it's been awesome talking to you and we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day to speak with us and just share your share your story but you know on that note we wish you all the best uh your next upcoming season and like i said this next one's gonna be good no war <laughs> there you go there you go no i appreciate it man i, I appreciate y'all reaching out i appreciate y'all for having me i had a good time well thank you again chris we'll go ahead and wrap it up there and we'll see you next time all right see you man thanks again for listening to the latest episode of blue buds hoops be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on whichever platform that you listen to your podcast we would also like to take this chance to recognize and thank our title sponsor jack brown videography if you're currently in the louisville kentucky or southern indiana area be sure to hit them up for all of your videography needs